I want you guys to be aware of that, and we are committed to helping people help people. It's what we do. Uh, next, next announcement. I got kind of a series of financial uh, announcements because uh, it's the end of the year, and, and people ask all the time, all the time really, what do you guys do at South Beach Church about money? You've noticed if you've been to church here for a while, we've never taken an offering. Okay, not even once. Not, we've never, we don't even have hats to pass. We have hats for sale, but no hats to pass. You know, we don't, we don't have the, you know, let's take an offering. Well, we don't have anywhere to put it. You know, we just, we've never done that. And one of the reasons, there's many reasons why we do that. One of the reasons why we're able to do that is because you guys give. If, if you guys didn't give, we'd have to be like, oh, they're not giving. We should ask, you know, you guys do it. You guys are faithful to give as God has commanded us to give. Okay, some of you are over faithful. Some of you are getting faithful. Some of you are unfaithful you're getting there you know but, but the majority of you give because god has commanded us to give as worshipers and i just want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you for that thank you for being responsible my parents taught me at a very young age to give 10 percent of everything i had to god so i've been doing that from about age nine everything i get even to this right now everything i get god gets 10 percent, and then he allows me to take the other 90 percent to the casino and i double down Oh, no, 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 I'm just kidding. No, 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 here's the rules. He, he, he asks you to, to, to willingly give 10%, and then he asks you, would you steward the other 90% for my glory? I mean, you get to keep 90%, but I want you to steward it for my glory. Pay your bills and raise your family. Do godly things with your money, okay? Even, you don't think that I gave 10, I can do whatever I want with the 90. No, no he, he says, no, it's, it's all mine, by the way. I'm, I just want you to give me a little piece of your heart, because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the deal about money. Money's very interesting, is it not? You guys ever seen money before? You've seen it before? Okay, we all have money. Money, you know, some of you are like, I haven't seen that in a while, though. You know, like, money. Money, is, it's kind of a weird thing. I believe firmly in my heart of hearts that God has allowed us to live in an economic system of commerce and wealth on purpose to mess with us, to get a hold of our heart, to expose our heart, our sinfulness, our weaknesses, our issues, money. All the, the, the things of this world just deal with us because when we get to heaven, there will be no commerce, okay? As a matter of fact, if you're here right now storing up all your wealth and you've got a whole bunch of gold and you're proud of yourself, and you're like, when you get to heaven, you can bring that gold with you and we'll just put it in the potholes because the roads are paved with gold and it's a totally different deal up in heaven. But right now, right now, God allows us to find ourselves with uh, surplus, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to be generous. God allows us to be found sometimes with uh, not enough money at the end of the month. Well, what are you going to do? How, how are you going to navigate forward? And I firmly believe that God uh, leads us closer to him through money, and he uses it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's a great, powerful tool when used rightly. And so I, I just, again, thank you for your generosity. Um, again, people always ask how to give. I got one funny story. There's a guy who goes to church here, and his heart is probably bigger than this building. He's just a very generous guy and just loves to give. He's always looking for somebody to give to. And, and one day I was watching him. He, had, he pulled his tithe check out. This is years ago. And we had a trash can in the back that said, thank you, you know, for the trash, you know. Thank you for throwing your trash away. And he saw the thank you. So I was like, well, it must be where I put my check. You know, and he just threw his check away. You know, I was like, ah, that's a big check, don't you? you know? And, and so it's so funny. And so we do have tithe boxes right over here and one in the back and one over there. And people ask, how do I give? And if you do give right now up until the 31st, you can get a tax-deductible donation for your year-end giving. Uh, in January, I'll send you a letter from me thanking you for your support for the ministries here. You'll get a receipt for all of your giving and be able to write that off or something like that with Uncle Sam. I'm not sure how all that works, but you can do that. And again, I want to thank you guys and gals for committing to giving in the way that we do. As a matter of fact, the board got together this last week, and uh, they, without me, by the way, you know, 
don't even know about it. And they got together because they were talking about finances. And when our board gets together and talks about finances, sometimes they don't let the paid staff, the paid board members be there because they're deciding things that, that a paid guy can't vote on. And they just want to make sure that they're taking care of the church. And just so you guys know how this church is governed, okay, we are governed by a board of directors and then we are led by a group of pastors. Okay, So there's a group that governs us and makes sure everything's checks and balances and we stay out of jail and things are right and paid and everything's legal and everything's godly and, and flowing. And then we have a group of pastors that lead the church and serve in that way. And so anyways, the guys got together and I was called by one of the board members yesterday and they said, Luke, we want you to know that we're going to bless the pastors at that church. We're going to give you guys a bonus this year and, and bless you guys. And we just want to take care of you because we don't want you to weird out and we don't want you to you know, wig out. We don't want you to burn out. And I'm just so thankful to get that call. You guys, you guys are you're doing your job. You're caring for us as we care for others. And they wanted me to let you guys know that that's the kind of church you go to. You go to a church that cares for one another, and we love to take care of our own. We love to make sure that nobody is having their faces, like the Bible says, muzzled while they tread out the grain, but instead we're being taken care of. As a matter of fact, I'll tell one story. I was on staff at the Ashland Christian Fellowship years ago, walking down the hallway, and my pastor, Mark, we, pa we stopped in the hallway. So, oh, wait, I got this for you. And, and, he, and he pulled out a check for 500 bucks and, and popped it in my hand. And I looked at it, I was like, how did you know? You know, we were just barely married. Not barely married. We were totally married. But we were real young in our marriage, you know, and no kids. And, and, but uh, we were barely making ends meet. And I said, how did you know that I needed this? He said, it's my job to know. It's my job to care for you. It's our job as a board of directors and elders and pastors to take care of our own. And so I wanted to thank them publicly for doing that. And they wanted me to put a note out there that if you wanted to bless one of the pastors here, you could write that in the memo and just drop something in the box as well. And they'll get that handled. You don't have to do that. They've taken care of it. But I wanted you guys to be aware that we are just part of a generous church that loves to give, whether it's Newport Fishermen's Wives Association or within house. And here's the next thing I'm going to say. And then we're going to move into the Bible study. Okay, I'm trying my best to get through this. Earlier this week, God put something on my heart, and it just wouldn't go away. Has that ever happened to you? You just keep thinking about it. Like, why is that there again? Why is that there again? And the first time it came on my heart, I was way up on a ladder, like 30 or 40 feet up in the air. You know, when you're 30 or 40 feet up in the air, you're closer to God. You're so close to God, and you're like, Lord, I'm so close to you, but I don't want to necessarily meet you today, you know? And, and you're praying, like, don't let me die. And, and me and Troy were painting Pastor Marty's house, and it was like, ah. Anyways, while I was up there, I just had this burden. At the end of the year, thinking through some of these announcements, and here's what the Lord put in my heart. Wouldn't it be cool if the church was able to put themselves in a position to minister to the body in a similar way that you've already heard? To say, you know what, if there's anybody here tonight that you came in the doors, you drove here, and all you could think about was that bill. All you could think about was that, that set of tires on your wife's car that's going bald and it, it might pop in it, but you don't have any money. All you could think about was the fact you don't have any presents under your tree. Or maybe all you could think about was you don't even have any tree for your presents. You don't have enough money. And what if you came to church saying, Lord, I need help. Lord, would you help me? And what if you came to church here tonight and, and, and the, the church said, you know what, we're going to help you. We decided to set aside a, a chunk of money. And I actually contacted our leadership and said, can we give away a bunch of money by, by the end of the year? Can we just give away a whole bunch of money to some people in need, people that have been praying People that have a pink slip on their door, maybe that shut-off notice that on Wednesday your, your power is getting shut off and you don't know what to do, but, but you're, you're praying, Lord, would you just, Lord, can you do a miracle? And I began to, as I'm praying, it's like, Lord, I need a miracle if I fall, you know, and, 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 and I began to sense the Lord wanted to answer some people's prayers. So here's what we're going to do. I asked the, the leadership if we could give away a bunch of money, and uh, here's what we're going to do. If that's you, I pray you'd be rejoicing right now. Maybe you're even watching online. We had some people watching online at our first and second service. Contact us. I heard the announcement. Here's my story. Here's what's going on. Here's what I need. <sighs> Let me actually tell one story. Two weeks ago, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. I didn't know the number. 
can't believe I answered, but I did. And I answered, it was a friend of mine who said, Luke, I'm, I'm, I, I need some help. I said, what's going on? He said, you know, you know how I'm doing, right? I said, yeah, I'm really, really proud of you. you. You've made some great strides. I got laid off. Oh, okay. And, I, and I'm two months behind on my rent. And if, if I don't get some money to my landlord, everything's going to come unraveled. I don't want to go back to that old lifestyle. I don't want to trigger. I don't want to lapse. I need some help. And I said, what do you, what's rent for you, friend? And he said, $550 per month. And it kind of gave me a scope of what we're looking at here. And I said, give me, I said, text me right now, your landlord's address. No questions asked. We're going to send them, not, not you. We'll send them a check for 550 bucks and we'll pay last month's rent. We'll get you another month. We're going to pray for you, help you out. He was at church the other night. And, and I'll tell you what, being able to just help people in order that they don't slide off the cliff and go crazy. And, and here's what I'm going to offer you now. If that's you or you know somebody that is in financial duress, we have a team assembled this next week from now till the December 31st that will do a couple things. They're going to meet with you one-on-one, face-to-face, or have a phone call, however it looks, and they're going to pray for you, every one of you who has financial need. You, you might have, I, I got a financial need. Cool, let's pray about it. What's going on? Well, I was at the casino, you see. You know, and, oh, okay, cool, let's talk. You know, and we'll, we'll, it, and we're going to pray for everybody. Okay, and then we're going to give biblical counsel on finances. We have some people that are actually trained in that area with financial freedom and some other stuff. They've agreed to be part of that team. And they're going to tell you, we're going to look at your rap sheet. Okay, well, here, we can do a few things here and get you back on track. And then thirdly, after prayer, after biblical counsel, thirdly, if God leads us to, we're going to write a check to the utility company for you or, or to Les Schwab or, or to your PO or to the anger management class or wherever you got, whatever's going on in your life, we're going to help you out and minister. You get, yeah, praise the Lord. So here's what I need you to do. I, I guarantee someone's thinking right now. That, that's exactly, and, I, and maybe it's one person here tonight only, okay? Because I, don't raise your hand, but who could use some more money? Duh, all of us. I could easily throw some money down somewhere, no problem. Like if somebody offered, look, you need a little more money? I don't know, what do you mean? You know, like, but, but you know in your heart, no, I, I, I don't need more money, I just need prayer. I need some biblical counsel. Maybe, maybe I'm not very responsible with my money. I'm just, I'm not, I, I get enough money, but I just, I blow it, I spend it, I don't, I don't pay the big bills first, and I, and, and you, I, no, I, I, wouldn't, I don't even want the church's money, but I would love some prayer, because I'm just, I'm foolish, I'm, 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 I'm irresponsible and even sinful, okay? Here, or maybe you're here, and you're like, you know what, I'm working three jobs, okay? And I'm, I'm behind, and I'm doing everything I can, and I'm about to die if I don't get some help. That's where I'm at. Okay, the Lord heard your prayer. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to meet you right where you're at. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to pray about it. Are you a candidate? Are you, the, are you one? Are you, you pray about it. And if God confirms in your heart that relationship with, with him and you, then I want you to, after that, email the church, southbeachchurch at gmail.com, or call the church, 272-3377, area code 541, and get a hold of us. One of the pastors here will reply to you, and we'll set up a time to meet with you, pray, Biblical counsel, and possibly, if God deems fit, if it's the right situation, help you make ends meet before the end of the year. And it is so fun. When I pitch the idea to the guys, <laughs> to be part of a church that just says, that sounds right. That sounds, that sounds legit. That sounds pretty crazy. My pastor, years and years ago, not at the church we were at, but the years, years and years ago, he passed the hats to take an offering like most churches do. But before they did that, they filled the offering with cash. You know, you've seen this before, and they said, okay, it's already seeded. There's cash in it. And if you came in today and you are, you don't know what to do. You need 100 bucks, you need 70 bucks, you need 200 bucks. When you see the go by, grab it, okay? That's yours. If you don't need any, put some in, okay? But if you do need it, it's kind of a similar idea. The body helping the body. Coming behind, whether it's Newport Fisherman's Wives, 
whether it's taking care of our pastors here, whether it's taking care of people in our community, whether it's angel tree, it's so fun to give. And I'll tell you what, um, let's just pray that in. And again, if you heard this announcement, get a hold of us, okay? Ball's in your court. Relationships are going to be built out of this. Friendship, discipleship, so much. It's not just, we, the last thing we want to do is give handouts, okay? But what we are in the business of is giving hand ups. You need a hand up? Okay, we'll give you a hand up. It's not, we, we love helping people out of the situation that they found themselves in. So let's pray right now. Would you guys just, would you, would you do that with me? Father, in Jesus' name, this is all you anyways. This is all your money. This is all your, your glory. This is all your kingdom. We are all your people. And so, Lord, we do this in Jesus' name, asking for wisdom, because we don't want to be foolish. Asking, Lord, for resources, because you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Asking, Lord, for healing, because you minister to us in our time of need. Asking, Lord, for education and for maturity, because you don't, you don't leave us right where we're, at, where we're at. Instead, you lead us further. We ask, Lord, that you would, would, would minister to that one or that family, or maybe somebody's not even here, but their friend is. And they know this mom. Maybe she can't get to church. Maybe, maybe she doesn't want to go to church but she could really use some, some help. I pray, Lord, that you would heal so many hearts, that you would heal lives, that, Lord, you would get the glory in the end. Lord, I pray for the Newport Fishermen's Wives Association. All they want to do is help. They just want it to be stronger. What a community. What a community. I pray that we'd bless them in Jesus' name. Give them some money. Just, yeah, go love people. Do a, do a good job at it. Lord, whether it's angel tree or whatever it is, help us to give knowing that you challenged us to do so. It's part of our DNA. We're givers, not just getters. And as we become good givers, you'll allow us to get more that we might give more, not just have more. And so I would be the first to say, Lord, I'm, I'm kind of, I am immature in this. I, I'm, not, I'm not where I want to be in my generosity, in my trust. I'm still young. And we all surrender our hearts to you because where our treasure is, our heart will be there also. We thank you, Lord, for tonight, the time we get to now get into your word. I've already shared about 20,000 words. <laughs> so help us, Lord, to now focus in, to lean in, to get something out of your word, Lord, that would change our lives forever. And again, thank you for allowing us to be a small part of people's journey and their miracle and what they need. We, we ask for much fruit, even right now, a blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Are you guys ready now? We're getting into Bible study, okay? Going to shake it off, going to get fired up, lean in a little bit. This is the 6 p.m. service. I'm going to lay it all out. I'm going to leave it all on the stage. Grab as much as you can. Focus now on verse 51 with me. Looking at Jesus, the leader. Verse 51 says it this way. Now it came to pass. That means it's an event. When the time had come, that means we're like, we're there. We've been marching this way. It came to pass. The time had come. The dinger dung. It's time. We got somewhere. Something's happening. When all that happened, for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. It came to pass. This is where we were going. When the time had come, we're now there chronologically. Up until now, 32 years of Jesus' life. He had been living on purpose, on mission, for the glory of God, for the well-being of humanity. And now all of a sudden there's a shift. 
the time had come. It came to pass. This event now, see Jesus was born in obscurity, in poverty, born of a virgin perfectly, living flawlessly, serving, teaching, gathering, leading people, kind of just this meek, humble shepherd. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, let's go. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus puts on his Rambo face. You serious now? In verse 51, this is a, this is a change. Please listen. This is a, a change moment. Not that Jesus was not going this way his whole life, but he kind of just goes into the next gear. Here we go. I'm going to Jerusalem. What for, Jesus? What for? To die. It says, come again. And all his disciples, when they would hear this, say, come on, bro. Don't say that out loud. Calm down. You, know, you don't need to die. Like, you're, you're being dramatic. And they didn't understand. They didn't like it. They rejected this idea of Jesus leading himself to death. They, they loved it when Jesus was leading them to life. You know, providing, you know, Lunchables by the thousands, you know, and everyone got a free Lunchable with the treat and everyone, you know, multiplying the loaves and fishes. And they loved all this and the miracles. And now Jesus, it came to pass when the time had arrived. We're getting serious, boys. What? Thought we were serious. You know, no, no. We haven't even, haven't even begun to become serious. Things are going to get nuts. This is where Jesus stakes his claim, sets his future. We'll take no from nobody as an answer, and he will make sure that he stays the course for what God has called him to. Jesus is saying this. This is who I am, guys. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. I'm resolute in my decision, and I cannot be dissuaded. I'm committed to seeing this through to completion. Whoa. And he begins his journey now downward from Galilee, which would be upward, according to Jews, to Jerusalem. To serve in a new way, not just a shepherd, friend, you know, healer. He's got a task in mind where something bigger is at stake and Jesus makes this decision, plants his flag and says, this is who I am, this is where I'm going. So here's my question for you today. Have you made your claim to following Jesus with your whole life as Jesus made with his life? Have you made that claim? Or are you still on the fringe? Well, I... I love Je- I heard Jesus call and I, I answered. I'm here. Here, what are we doing? Are we doing fun stuff? Can I get a lunchable? You know, and, and I heard his call and I'm excited about it. And, and I heard Jesus call and he said that when I die, I can go to heaven. Duh. Anybody out here smart? Like you're like, oh, heaven or hell when you die? Like smoking or non-smoking? You know, it's like it's kind of funny. You know, but, you know, what do you want when you die? Like I'll take heaven, non-smoking for sure. You know, that's where I want to be seated for eternity. Is it, that's not that hard to answer that question, right? You guys are smart people. Like, that's easy. That's smart. I'm actually really smart. I made that decision very easily at age eight. I don't want to go to hell. And then Jesus looks at you a few years later and says, well, you want to live for me? Like you're going to heaven? Whoa, what is that? Well, I am going to heaven. I know. Do you want to live like it? Uh, do I need to change anything? Yes. Do I need to adjust at all? Yes. Will there be a cost involved? Yes. Will there be any sacrifice or possibly some hard times in my future? Yes. I'm going to Jerusalem to die. Guys want to come? I think I'll be let off at the next stop. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to go there. And this is where every... My question to you is this. Have you made your claim about following Jesus with all of your life, your whole life? Or are you holding back a little bit? Or are, are you holding out on Jesus? 
Are you still only willing to give them partial access to your life and future? Just a little bit. Like, I'm not dumb. I'm very, very smart. I'm going to heaven when I die, okay? But, but, but I don't want him to have full access to my heart and my mind and, and my account and, 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 and my direction. I don't want to give him that much. No. I got, I, listen, Jesus doesn't work that way. He would say to you and me tonight, all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And we play this game with him. And he says, follow me. We're like, I'll follow you if you follow me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We do this. I'll follow you, but I want you to follow. I want you to get behind me in certain areas. I want to be in charge of some stuff. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am God. You are not. I am in charge of everything. I am good, by the way. You can let me be in charge of everything, and it will go well for you. But I am in charge of everything. And, and yet we want to be in charge of stuff still. And a rebel, man, we're rebels at heart. I don't want God to have full access, and, and I don't trust him, or I don't trust myself, or I don't trust you, or I don't, I don't know. And Jesus would say, you need to follow me. I do not follow you. I will not bow down to your system. I will not adjust to your thoughts. I will not cater to your stuff. I need you to do all of that for me. That is how it works. And he looks to you and me and says, you guys, you guys want to do that? You want to do that? And this is kind of where the bigger group becomes a smaller group, okay? This is where the masses and the, the thousands become the hundreds and the dozens, where people like these 12 that were with him would say, oh, okay, give us some time, we'll get there, and these 12 minus Judas Iscariot would all toe the line and die those humiliating deaths because they were allegiant to Jesus. And here's my question again, have you made this decision? I know what it's like to live for God, I do. It's, it's the best. It's the absolute best. I also know what it's like to not live for God, okay? By the way, I know what it's like to live for God and to not live to God, for God and still be on my way to heaven by his grace and mercy. I gave my life to Jesus. He saved me. My soul is secure, but my life has gotten out of order. Has your life gotten out of order before? Maybe for a moment or two, maybe, maybe even longer, maybe a year or more. And by God's grace, I believe that, that his salvation would extend, but he gives us so much time. He says, don't waste your life. What are you doing? This is a very hard text we're going to be studying tonight. But Jesus models it first. He says, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm willing to go and die first. I'm not going to ask you to do anything I wouldn't do for you. I'm, I know what it's like to live for God. I know what it's like to not live for God. As a matter of fact, 20 years ago today, 20 years ago seems like a long time, but it's actually, for, some, for some of you it's not. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a joke. 20 years ago today, 1997, December 17th, I pulled $2,000 out of my U.S. bank account in Southern Oregon, and I rode my bike home. And when I got home, there was a set of drug dealers. Two or three drug dealers had gathered together, and I made a transaction with the rest of those drug dealers and bought my portion of the drugs. $2,000, my biggest purchase ever. And then on the Christmas break, I bummed a ride to Eugene, hitchhiked up there and found my way to Eugene with some friends and partied hard, and hitchhiked and bummed all the way up to Portland, found some more friends and partied hard, until finally the time came where I had to go to the Amtrak station and meet Joe and Arla Frechette, my parents. So I left the majority of the drugs there in Portland with another kid, I taught him how to deal drugs. I don't, I don't take that, I, I, I'm sad about that. I got on the train with my parents there at the Amtrak station. We began a journey at the Amtrak station to Bismarck, North Dakota for Christmas vacation. And the reason I tell that story is because I remember how distant I was from God, how distant I was from my family on this wonderful trip. Wouldn't that be so fun to be with your family on the Amtrak, go to grandma's house and ride back? Wouldn't that? I didn't have fun. I was so bent on destruction and carnality. 
I know what it's like to not live for God. And as soon as I got back from that trip, I jumped off that Amtrak and found some friends and went back down to Southern Oregon. And on January 5th, the very next week, Monday, 1998, I went to the 7-Eleven store and I bought myself a pack of Winston Lights, went in there. Here's the behind the scenes story. I checked my bank account to see how much money I had. I had like $200. Apparently that 2000 I took out didn't get ever put back in, you know what I'm saying? And, and I had no money to go to college and I stressed out. I went to 7-Eleven, I said, I gotta withdraw from school and I, I went to 7-Eleven to get some Winston Lights and the lady said to me, can I see your ID, sir? cigarettes. Gave her my ID. She grabbed it, put it underneath the counter and said, thank you very much. You'll be under arrest in just a few minutes. We are looking for you. There's an investigation for your arrest and here's your mugshot and all the rest. And the police officers showed up and I turned myself in and got arrested and began what I would call a very expensive and embarrassing come to Jesus experience. You guys ever had that before? It can be expensive, can it? It can be embarrassing. And even on that day, January 5th, 1998, I knew in my heart of hearts, this is what I need. My friends actually doted over me. Oh, Luke, this is such a bad day for you. I knew, I was like, this is the day of reckoning for me. This is the day where God begins to change my life. A year later, Christmas again, right around December 17th, called my mom, Arla Frechette, 1998, 19 years ago. I said, hey, mom, when I come home for Christmas this year, I need to make sure you and me and dad have some time to talk. I want to get some stuff off my chest. I want to confess all my sins that I've ever done, all, everything, I, the life I've been living. And I just, I need to get right. God is doing a work in my heart. And God had been doing a work that whole year. And I was so thankful. And my mom said, we'll make, we'll make coffee for you. Be, you know, God. And it was such a radical time there. Christmas Eve morning, me and Joe and Arla, tears, prayers, coffee, beautiful, Holy Spirit, oh, healing. Leading up to then New Year's Eve, that same very week, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and received the gift of tongues and the gift of walking in the Spirit. And I remember driving home on January 1st, 1999, back to Ashland. I did have a suspended license, but I was in the Spirit. <laughs> and I remember driving on I-5, fired up, man, ready to go back to the battle, living for Jesus, fully engulfed in his power. And I began to extract myself even further from this lifestyle that I had adopted. These people, I was still living in this drug house. So I got, as soon as I got home, I actually had some paraphernalia still set aside. First thing I did, found that, flushed it, said a prayer, got my Bible, I began to read in this house. And, and I'll tell you, I have not, since 1999, January 1st, been perfect. I've made some serious mistakes. Even months later, walking with Jesus, I made some serious mistakes. But I'll tell you something right now. I never once said, I don't know if I want to do this. I want to kind of go back. I never once said I want to. I, I drifted back. I made mistakes, but I never once got my eyes off Jesus in a way of disallegiance. I wanted to follow him, and I've been following him ever since that time. And I know the difference between going my way and wanting Jesus to get behind my system and Jesus to follow my lead and putting Jesus in front of my life and saying, Lord, you take the wheel. I, I just wreck stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. This day is that day for Jesus, and maybe this night will be that night for you, where you say, what am I doing? I am me I'm messing around. My life is a joke. I might be going to heaven because I'm a very smart person, and I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not living like I'm going to heaven. I am so compromised. I am so jacked up. I am so weak and babyish in my Christianity, and maybe today you're going to put a flag down and say, the time came 
where I set my face like flint toward the cross. The what? The cross. You mean you got a new cross for Christmas? No. I decided to live a life of sacrifice. I decided to get serious. Enough is enough. Here's what we're going to see next. I got to hustle because you guys took way too long listening. (laughs) Jesus is now going to go to Samaria and he's going to see what happens. There's going to be a group of people that reject him. And then there's going to be three individuals, one group of people in Samaria and three individuals that all have an interaction with Jesus as he's going along grabbing people saying, you want to go? You want to go? You want to go? And he's asking people if they want to go and all of them, in my opinion, slip off the hook and go away. Nobody can handle it. When I was studying this message last night, putting it on paper, learning from others who've taught it as well, I was like, this, this, this is so intense. This is probably the best message that every single person in the whole world needs to hear. This is it. This is, this is what I need to hear. 19 years in my journey with Jesus, and I got on my knees last night. I prayed. I was like, Lord, am I, am I soft? Lord, I am soft. Lord, I've not towed the line. I've gotten weird. I've... I've, I've I've not put you in preference and in priority in all the ways of my life. And I repented last night, and I've been repenting at all three services today. I'm going to repent at this one, and I pray that today would be your day where you say, what in the world am I doing? Going to heaven when you die? Yeah, cool, awesome. What about now? What about right now? Well, you got a pulse, you got a purpose. Let's see what happens. Look at verse 52. It says, and he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. Why? Because his face was set for his journey to Jerusalem. Stop right there, eyes up here. Last, year, last week, we looked at this verse and the response of the disciples. Now I want to look at the response of the Samaritans. Jesus tries to book a room there and stay there, and the Samaritans say, where are you going? Well, I'm going all the way to Jerusalem. Oh, well, we don't believe in that. We, we don't believe you need to go to Jerusalem. We have a temple here. You'd like to worship here? You can worship here. We have priests. We, we, we have sacrifices. We have a book. We wrote our own book. We got a whole deal right here. Jesus, you know what? Listen, you're welcome to come to Samaria as long as you get on our program, as long as you get in where we're at, as long as you come behind our culture and our tradition and our socioeconomic system and our deal and our politics and our race and our gender. We have a whole deal here in Samaria. We got a whole deal. You're welcome, Jesus, as long as you get behind us. And Jesus would say to them, no, I don't get behind anybody. I'm God. I'm in charge. I tell you in my book what's right and wrong, okay? And if you're wrong, according to my book, you adjust. I don't. Now, they would, this is how it happens in our Christianity and in our culture today, okay? These guys had their own cultural system set up. And Jesus wanted to be a part of it, not to enjoy it, but to change it. They said, no, no, you can be here, but you can't change anything. You just have to adapt. Did you know that every culture, every religion, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, Buddhists, Muslims, Baha'i, they all do this with Jesus. They all take Jesus and say, yeah, you can come into our story. You don't get to be in charge, though. You get to be right over here. We're going to put a little place over here for you. You get a little spot on the poster map. And yeah, you're part of the story over here. And Muslim, everyone has a little bit of Jesus just to kind of satisfy something, but he's not in charge. Even Oprah has a spot on her couch for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, Jesus, I love Jesus. What, what do you love about Jesus? Oh, he was a great man. That's, no, no. Jesus was a great man, but he's God. And he's in charge of you and your couch and your belief system. Otherwise, he's not part of your couch. He's not part of your team. They had two options, and so do you. You can either receive Jesus or you can reject him. There is no middle ground. 
You receive him, put him in priority, in preference, in position number one, and you do whatever he says, or you reject him, and you take that position, and you fail miserably. These guys, these Samaritans, they would have received him if he would bow down to them, if he would accept them. So we're looking at four things tonight that get in the way of Jesus, that come before Jesus if you're not careful. The first one is culture. These guys have their own culture. And their culture was going to get in the way of Jesus leading. You guys realize that our culture is all jacked up, kind of messed up. Our culture is getting weirder and weirder, politics and social circles and Hollywood and government. It is so godless and so upside down. And Jesus comes in and says, I'd like to be in charge. And our culture pushes him out. And there are people today within our culture that say, well, I want a little Jesus in my life, but he's not in charge. I'm going to stay the way I am. I'm going to stay how I was raised. Did you know that the people in Samaria were fed lies from their birth? They were just, they didn't know the truth. They were told this is right and that's right. And they just, this is what we believe. This is how it is. I was born this way. And Jesus shows up and says, well, can you submit to me? And I'll heal you and fix you and teach you. And I'll lead you out of your system, out of your culture. And if you're here tonight and you have a cultural brokenness where you believed a lie or you were born this way or something's wrong and you match it up with this book, you have two choices tonight to receive Jesus and let him lead. Oh, Lord, Lord, I messed up. Would you come in and take over? Lord, I think we're, I think we're wrong. I think I'm wrong. And he will come in and lead you. Or you can say, you know what? I kind of like the way I'm, that I'm wired. Maybe you've seen that bumper sticker that says born right the first time. You ever seen that bumper sticker? The the, the implication is is Christians are born again. Like, I'm born in this world, I'm all jacked up, and then then I'm born again when I meet Jesus, and there's there's a rebellion out there. I was born right the first time. Okay, (laughs) you know, according to who? And Jesus says, no, no, I need to come in there and fix you. He needs to be in front of the culture, leading the culture, changing the culture. Now, again, I want you to see Jesus' heart here. Look at verse 56. Jump down. We studied this portion last week. Jesus says, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus says this to his disciples because when they go to this culture and are rejected, the disciples have no patience whatsoever. So they say, should we kill everyone there? Is that what you want to do? And Jesus is like, let's start from the top. Okay. The son of man did not come to kill everyone, but you're right. You're God. You're it. You're right. I know. And I'm not here to kill everyone. I'm here to save men's lives, not destroy them. These guys had no patience for an ungodly, irrelevant, rebellious culture. I need you to hear this, please. Because Jesus did have patience for them. Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you have a pulse, if our culture has a pulse, if the leadership, the government, your boss has a pulse, the day of salvation is their day today. They can still be saved. It is not too late. God will not take away the opportunity for someone to be saved until that pulse ceases. Matter of fact, there's some black letters in verse 56 I didn't read to you. It's that Jesus says, no, I didn't come to destroy, but to save. Then the black letters go on to say, and they went to another village. Can I just teach both sides of the coin right now? Jesus said, we're not going to kill everyone. That's not what we're doing. We want to save them. Here's the problem, though. We are going somewhere else. Jesus didn't go to that village. He, He went away. There needs to be a sense of urgency within each one of us. There needs to be a sense of urgency for the gospel. Today's the day of salvation. Jesus must be in front of everything. If he's not in front, he's not involved at all. And there will be a day where Jesus will go to another village. Today's the day of salvation. Did you know that until you die, you can be saved, but once you die, you cannot be saved? Okay, when you, there is no reincarnation. Okay, there is no second chance. 
There, there is no, the Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed unto man once to, and then the, that's it. We have a, we have, you, ever, you ever late to your appointments? I'm sometimes late. Usually I'm early. The Bible says it's appointed once to die. There's an appointment. Everybody's days are numbered. Okay? And those days are very important that you make those decisions to let Jesus take over in the culture of your life. Jesus is right. And if you're here today and you're struggling with a cultural preference, well, I like this and I don't understand that. Look, I'm with you. There's things that I still like about the culture that God says that's not right. Well, Lord, are you mad at me? No, I'm patient with you. Give it to me. Let's go forward. I didn't come to destroy. I came to rebuild and to put back together. And if you're struggling with letting Jesus take the reins, let him do it. He loves you. He'll heal you. He'll guide you. He'll rewire your mind and your thinking. These people did not do it. They rejected him. There's three more guys I want you to check out. Look at verse 57. It says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. It's kind of like this guy. This guy's fired up. He's excited. He's looking for the hoodie rack. He wants to get involved. Lord, what are we doing? We're going somewhere, we're doing stuff. And Jesus kind of gives him a crazy response. Foxes have holes, verse 58, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay, it's not that Jesus is saying, you can't follow me, bro. It's like, hey, I want to go too. Jesus looks at him. Really? You do? Because I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. And I don't have any money. And I don't know where I'm sleeping tomorrow night. I'm homeless. And when I get to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. You sure you want to be a part of this? Jesus wants him to be a part. He wants you to be a part. But he doesn't want him to be a part and misunderstand the cost and sacrifice involved. He says, look, dude, I'm sleeping outside tonight. Okay, as a matter of fact, the Samaritans wouldn't have... You want to... Let me just use a word that I don't want you to forget and I want you to muse on all week. It's the word comfort. Jesus said, you want to follow me? Guess what? It's the rightest thing you'll ever do. But it is not the easiest thing you'll ever do. Becoming a Christian. Going to heaven. Duh. Easy. Walking with me, it's the rightest thing you'll ever do, but there will be a cost involved. As a matter of fact, people in my position, pastors, lie to their people often and say, if you come to Jesus, it's the right thing to do, and your life will get easier. You'll be blessed in all sorts of ways. There'll be all kinds of things afforded to you. And, and, and that is true to a degree, but what they fail to tell you and tell me all the time is, oh, by the way, it's going to cost you everything. Okay? There will be a reckoning. There will be a day. You will be ostracized from society. You will have to deal with your flesh. You will be made aware of your sins and have to bring them to me. You will be asked to sacrifice and to give. This is part of the deal. And if you're truly a Christian, all of that actually wrapped into it, you say, okay, all right, where do we give first? Take some blood. Matter of fact, when I first got saved, there was opportunities to go to Honduras at my church, mission trips. And in order to do that, you had to get a passport, buy your own plane ticket, give $500 to buy bricks when you got down there to then work with, pay for the food you would eat. And then as soon as you got down there, paying for everything out of your own pocket, getting there, you would then work for 12 days, bleeding out of your hands and sweating at night, preaching the gospel and traveling, sleeping on cots, slapping scorpions off your friend's face, you know, which is fun. You know, I, I thought I saw a scorpion, sorry. You know, and, 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 and then and you would do, you'd fly home and you would lose money, get blisters and work hard all for free. And you know what we had to do? We had to put a cap on the teams. You can only take so many because people wanted to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Okay, because I'm going to heaven when I die. That's easy. But I'm also willing to sacrifice now for that. This guy, Jesus challenges him and says, God, I don't, I don't want, it's not comfortable being a Christian. Now, here's the deal, Americans. We love comfort, do we not? 
I mean, we just do, okay? Like, don't, don't lie to me. We love comfort. Like, we love being, ah, it's very comfortable. You know, like, that's a very comfortable chair. This is a very comfortable chair. You know, we love comfort. The rest of the world doesn't have the comfort we do. This is one of our thorns to bear. One of our issues in life is, am I too comfortable? And I began to ask the Lord. As I went through this last night, I was busted on all of these accounts. Lord, are you number one in my life, in the culture? Am I willing to stand against culture? Not belligerently like John and James, but nonetheless toe the line and say, I'm, no, Jesus is first. He, sorry, you're wrong. He's right. Just get on board. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to lose some of my comfort for you? Or have I been more concerned about my comfort? Am I jockeying and positioning and making sure my comfort is, Lord, have I gotten soft? When you read this, foxes have holes and birds have, I don't have anywhere to go. I mean, how many of you are hardcore Christians here? You're smart. You're smart like me. You're going to heaven when you die. But right now, you're, you're not really concerned with sacrifice anymore. You, you did that. You have a story. You have a picture when you went to Hondo, you know, 20 years ago. But right now, you're just, you're playing your cards carefully. There's two more things that get in the way. Or should I say it this way? They get in front of Jesus. See, Jesus needs to be in front of culture. Jesus needs to be in front of your comfort. And Jesus needs to be in front of this next thing we see here as well. Look at verse 59. And then he said to another, follow me. Okay, Jesus is now soliciting people. This guy wanted to come. Jesus now looks at this dude. He's, well, hey, follow me, bro. This guy says this, verse 59. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Okay, sounds noble. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Jesus sees this cat. Hey, come on, let's go. Go to Jerusalem to die. Dude, just let me go bury my dad real quick. Now, just so you guys know, when, I, when you read this, you're thinking his dad's at home sitting in the Barca lounger like KO'd, you know? Watch too much Price is Right, just, you know? And you think he's got to go bury his dad. And then Jesus is very unkind, like, no, let the dead bury their dead. You go preach the kingdom of God. It's like, oh, okay, I guess. Sorry, guys, I can't come to the funeral, you know? That's not what's happening at all. In this society, in this day, men would stay home with their parents until they died. And then they would bury them and handle the estate and the inheritance and, and handle all that and get the money and then be able to move on. When he says, let me go bury my dad, it doesn't mean my dad's going in the grave. It means my dad's not dead. I got stuff to do. And as soon as that happens, Jesus, as soon as that happens, I will be your number one gun. As soon as I get some things in order, as soon as my dad dies, because when my dad dies, I'll get all his money and I will be the number one servant at your church. I promise I will be a faithful giver once I get everything figured out. And Jesus looks at this guy and says, no, let the dead bury their dead. They'll take care of that. You go preach the kingdom of God right now. What got in the way of this guy's mentality as Christianity was what I would just call security. Making things okay for me to now get serious about Jesus. We all do this. I will get serious about Jesus as soon as I fill in the blanks. If you're a high school student, as soon as I get out of high school, it's really hard to be a Christian in high school. I don't know if you've ever done this, Pastor Luke. It's super tough. As soon as I get out of here, I'm going to be serious about Jesus. Then you go to college. Well, as soon as I get done with college, it's very hard to go to church and to plug in and to pray, to be part of a life group and to give. As soon as I, though, get done with college, I'm going to be serious about Jesus. Then you get out of college and you look at your student loans, you're like, ah, and you take five jobs, you know. And as soon as I get my loans paid off, I will be serious about Jesus. As soon as I figure that out, then you get married. As soon as I figure out marriage and how this works, we're going to serve. And then you have some kids. And as soon as I get my kids out of the house 100 years from now, as soon as I figure this out, then I'll, and then you get the kids out, and then you're older, and you're like, well, as soon as I take a little break and go on, retired. Jesus looks at this guy and says, stop it. All that stuff will handle itself. Let the dead bury their dead. You, though, go preach the kingdom of God right now. So my question to you is, what's, what's your excuse? What's holding you back right now? What quickly comes to your mind? I would, I would love to serve more. I just got to do this first. I will, I, will, I will do it. Maybe you've made that. I'm going to do it. 
I just got to get this thing out of my life. Maybe you got a, a sin or a, a problem. Or as soon as I quit smoking or as soon as I, I get out of debt or as soon as I stop this, then I will. And the devil's got you right where he wants you. It, it's in the in-between in the in of someday. This guy is promising to Jesus, I will, dude, dude, just wait. I just got, a, I just got one more deal. Boom, man, and we are going to be in it to win it. And Jesus says, no. He says, today's the day. Isn't that crazy? He says, he says, no, he rebukes him gently, and then he invites him to do stuff. Go preach now. Don't waste another day. Don't waste a week. Don't waste a month. God forbid, don't waste another year. I just got to get things settled. I can't serve. I can't be healthy right now. I can't move on. I can't produce fruit right now because I got all this stuff. Really? Is all that stuff you're dealing with going to heaven with you? No, it's part of the dead world. Let the dead take care of their dead. It's all down here. I'm not taking any of this. Wait a minute. You're, you're postponing serving God and following him because you're dealing with dead stuff that's not going to heaven? Yeah, it's kind of important though. I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is. And Jesus says, get involved now. What? I love God. God I love Jesus. He's forthright with this guy. But he doesn't just backhand him into the oblivion. He offers him a hand. Come on, let's go. There's people that need to hear this right now. Yesterday, I think it was, I was at Starbucks. I was there with Noah and Taya. They were there first. I was getting coffee. It ended up we were there together. And I saw this guy at Starbucks. And I've been watching him for about five or six years. His, for some reason, I got a burden for this, this one dude. And his health is deteriorating. I, just, I can see it. I was like, man, this guy doesn't have much time. And I, just, I, just, I want this guy to be well with the Lord. I don't think he is. And so I was there with Noah, and he was there by himself. And I thought the guy leave, and then I turned around. He hadn't left. He was sitting down. He was there. I was like, oh, I got to do it. I got to go. I got to get uncomfortable. I got to go preach the kingdom of God to this cat. I don't want to. I'd rather just take my mocha and bounce out of here. You know what I'm saying? So I told Noah, I said, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go do, do my best. Pray for me. I just went and talked to this guy. And I said, yeah, how you doing, man? Ah, you know, started getting in your face. And I, you know, and I, I grabbed him by the back of the head. And I said, you need to give your life to Jesus. You know. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> that doesn't work. Don't do that. <laughs> it's so fun. I did not do that. Instead, I asked him, how you doing? <laughs> you know, what are you doing for Christmas? You got Christmas plans? He said, well, I got some family in Eugene, but I, my, my sister hasn't called. I don't know. You know, it's six days before Christmas. He doesn't know what he's doing. I was like, okay. L lonely guy. And I said, well, I, I, you know, I'm the pastor at South Beach Church, and we got such a cool, and I just invited him. And he didn't, he didn't bite on anything. You could tell he was a little skittish. You know, I was like, I didn't want to push. And, but I, what are you waiting for? To be, to be forthright, to, to invite someone to church or to, to reach out to somebody or to deal with that person that you've offended or has offended you. What are you waiting for? Let the, let the things down here take care of themselves. You go preach the kingdom of God. Yesterday was also Saturday still, but earlier I took my kids to the Toledo High School gym for basketball camp, one day little clinic. Eddie Townsend, the coach there, put it on, and my kids were there. And, and in comes this older man, and he walked in, and I, I, I didn't recognize him, I honestly didn't, but as I was walking by, he smiled real big and got in my way. He said, hey, I want to shake your hand. You're Pastor Luke, right? I was like, I am. And he said, well, I'm Andy Vogel. And I said, oh my God, I have heard, yeah, Andy Vogel. And I, I, his brother Steve goes to church here and, and he's been going here. He said, and he was big smiles, big eyes, older guy. And he said, I've been going to your church just recently. I gave my life to Jesus. Okay, and everything's changed. Everything's, I'm so, so happy. And I was just walking by at the church one day and I, I saw Eddie Townsend. I didn't know who he was. And he ended up, he's the coach. 
and, and, and a conversation happened, and basketball came up, and I used to coach basketball, and he said, you can come help out, and now I'm, now I'm here helping, and all oh, this is so, he's almost tearing up, so happy with what God is doing, and here's what he said at the end of the conversation. He said, I just don't know why I waited so long. He's all, I don't know why I waited so long to, to find Jesus and to just see what Jesus would do with my life. What do you, and, and I heard that, I said, hey, and he, he wasn't beating himself up. He was very happy, and so am I for him. But I know the sentiment, don't you? What am I waiting for? There's people right now that need to hear the gospel. Well, I just gotta, I gotta do some stuff. And then I'll, no, 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 no. Lovingly, willingly, let Jesus lead in your security. What are you waiting for? Don't, don't wait any longer. I got one more, one more little story to look at, and then we're done. Verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first. You can circle that. He had a me first problem. The other guy did too. Let me first go bury my dad. This guy, but let me first. Listen to what this guy says. He's, he sees Jesus walking down. Another guy said, hey, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. What in the world's going on here? Jesus, this is so legit. I just got to go say bye to my mom and dad. I got to go talk to my friends. Man, we're having an Xbox tournament right now. I just got to go, you know, log out. And I got to go do this. And, and I got, you know, I got a boyfriend over here. I got to go break up with him first. And I got to go tell my employer, just would you hold up for me? Look what Jesus says. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you want to follow me? Don't go back. I just got to go back real quick. No. Why you, no. No. And what's getting in the way of this man following Jesus is his past. I just need to go back and just touch base with my old friends, my old haunts, my old deals. I got to go back. And I just want to see what's back there. Did you know that if you put your hand to the plow, it's what Jesus says. You set your face forward. You pick a rock or a tree or a fence post and you go right toward it. And then you look back and your, your rows are straight. But if you're going and you're looking back, your rows will become crooked and broken. And I have seen lives that have desired to follow Jesus and have started looking back and they become crooked and broken and everything falls off the tracks. You don't have the physical strength to run a plow by looking backward. Your hands are going to slip off. And Jesus says, no, no, you can't follow me if you're going to be looking in the rearview mirror. If you're going to be going back to those old ways, those old, old ideas. And this is a word for some of you older Christians, please. Who, you're, you're smart like me, super smart. You're going to heaven. It's easy. You don't want to go to hell. Like, yeah, it's easy. But you're constantly going back. You're constantly reverting back to that old attitude, that old idea, that, that old relationship, that old, that old thing, that old whatever. And the Lord said, hey, don't do that. Hands on the plow. Let's go. We're going forward. And as I prayed last night, I was like, Lord, how many areas have I just looked back? Just, just a glance. When without, you know, oh, I remember I used to listen to that. Yeah. I remember I used to watch that. Yeah. I remember I used to, I used to think that. Yeah. And the Lord said, don't, 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 stop. What are you doing? Remember when Sodom and Gomorrah were, was destroyed and judged? And God warned them and said, I'm, you can leave though. And Lot led his wife out into Abram's you know, quarters again. And there was only one command given. Get out. Don't look back. And Sarah wanted to look back. She's like, watch. Well, I just want to give one more look. And as she looked back in disobedience, she was paralyzed and turned into a pillar of salt, dead. Because she looked back. There is no looking back. And I just, I want to be so encouraged. Did you know that Jesus is walking towards death because that is where the victory is? This world is not our home, friends. This isn't it. 
okay? All your attempts, all your glory, all your fun, all your excitement, all of your hopes and joy down here, none of it, none of it matters compared to heaven. And yet I fall into so many traps all day long. Oh, if I could just get that, if I could just get that, what? What? Well, I don't know. And the Lord says, Luke, you, be about my business. Be about my business. There's an old story. It's a true story. You historians will remember it. Where Hernan Cortez and his 600 soldiers sailed from Spain and landed there on the south shores of Yucatan, Mexico. As they landed there in the 1500s, no one had ever been able to penetrate those, those borders and take over and, and move in. And as they got there, they were ready to do this. Go to battle. 11 boats, 70 horses, 600 men. Hernan Cortez, or however you say his name. I wasn't there. He's a, he's a, a Spanish warrior. You guys know the story. It's a true story. You can look it up on wikipedia.com. And as he got there, he got his boys all rise. Like, you ready to do this, guys? You ready to do this? And they were all fired up. They were drinking some rum that night, apparently. And he got them all kind of excited, you know, singing songs and pirate songs or whatever. And he said, you know what? Let's just go all in. Let's go get the boats. What are we going to do with them there, Captain? We're going to burn them. We're staying here until we get the job done. We're not going back. And they, they burned the boats. They burned all their boats that night, cheering. We're going, we're, we have come here to win. That's it. There is no, and they burned their boats, and they said, this is it. We're here to stay. And this is a word for somebody here tonight that wants to be a Christian, wants to live as a Christian. What, what in the world are you hanging on to right now? On, on your phone or in, in your relationships or in your future, in your past? What are you hanging? Burn it. Burn it. And the Lord will honor you. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Elijah. He picked a predecessor, should I say a successor, Elisha. And when he picked Elisha, Elisha said, let me just do one thing before I follow you. Can I do one thing? Well, sure, what do you want to do? I want to kill my cows, and I'm going to burn my plows. He was a, a farmer. Because, because this is what I do for a living. If you're calling me into the ministry, I'm done with this. I'm going to kill my cows, I'm going to burn my plows. It was the first country western song in the Bible. <laughs> and you know what Elijah said? Do it. I'll wait for you. Do it. Go ahead. Kill your cows, burn your plows. And he took his plows and he broke them up, made a fire. He took his cows and sacrificed them to the Lord. I'm not coming back. And you guys know Elisha and Elijah. Elijah did 16 miracles in his life. Elisha got a double mantle. He did 32 miracles in his life. He, he went to the next level. That was his request. I want double. I just want double. I just want to do more than you. Okay, no big deal. And you and I should have the same desire. What am, I, what am I doing? And I pray in Jesus' name, as I've taught long tonight, that you've heard deeply. And you who are smart like me, you're going to heaven. Good job. Me too. But if you've got a pulse, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to get serious. Don't waste your life. Don't waste a moment. Don't mess around with the inferior things, the, the distractions. Let Jesus be in charge. Let him guide you and lead you. You might be even asking right now, what's the next step? Just put him in front. He'll tell you what to do. All he said to these cats is follow me. Okay, sounds easy enough, but they had all this baggage. Just follow him. Just follow him. Do what he says to do next. Whatever he brings up, whatever he says, let go of this, let go of it. Whatever he says to do this now, do it. Whatever he says to look away from, look away from. Whatever he says to look at, look at. He'll guide you and he'll direct you as you burn the boats, as you burn the stuff of the past and say, no more, I'm moving forward. I'm going to have the worship team come up now and lead us in a song of response as we take communion.
the Lord is so kind and gracious. Been walking with him for a while now. So have you. Yet there's more. Is there more for you? Raise your hand if there's more for you. you haven't, you're not there. You haven't plateaued. You haven't peaked. You haven't arrived. You got a pole still. There's more. <laughs> more people. More, more kingdom work to do. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to grow overly comfortable and unsacrificial. I don't want to do that. I don't want to wait until I get my securities handled before I move forward. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back to the past. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Fathers, we take communion now. We're, we're sure of your grace and your kindness toward us because it's demonstrated on the cross that while we have sinned, you have not. While we have fallen short, you did not. And Lord, in that you died for our sins that we might today take communion and say, yes, Lord, take over. Forgive me of being weak and for being weird, for being culturally sensitive, Lord, to the things of the culture instead of sensitive to Jesus. Forgive the compromise, Lord, in my own heart. I, I could only, can only repent for myself. But if you're here tonight and you, you would also like to, to let the Lord become the leader of your life again, you might be safe. You're going to heaven. Good job. But Jesus isn't in charge of, of your cultural preference. You, you want him to get behind you. Jesus isn't in charge of your comfort. You, you want to you really take care of that comfort. Jesus isn't in charge of your security. You've got your own deal before you get involved. You've got to figure it out. And you, want, no, you need Jesus in front. Or maybe you've drifted to the past. You're not, oh, you're not all in. You're, just, you're weird. You need Jesus at the front. If that's you... You want Jesus to be in front of you right now? Would you just raise your hand right now and repent with me? Just put your hand up nice and high. Lord, we're sorry. We're rebels. We're weirdos. We're weak. We want to follow you. Put your hand up. We want to follow you. Be in front, Lord. E even this night and this week, Lord, make our hearts sensitive to you. And may we respond, Lord, according to your guidance. As we let you lead, it's going to be easy. You're just going to be in front. You're going to tell us what's right and wrong. It's going to be It's going to be legit heal our hearts. Forgive us of our sins, our selfishness. You can put your hands down. Lord, I, I pray a healing upon this group, on our families, on our, our sons and our daughters, our, our husbands and our wives. Lord, a healing. We have erred. We have blown it so many ways. And we just ask for healing. Miraculous healing. Almost like when a bone breaks and then two months later, it doesn't hurt anymore. It's just healed. I don't know what happened. It just healed just healed so to heal people tonight heal families heal heritage lord heal legacies just heal we need you jesus forgive us thank you for your blood spilled your body broken may we be more in love and more more radically challenged by jesus christ than ever before this christmas season you're so dynamic you're so in incredible Thank you, Lord, for your service to us and allowing us to serve alongside of you. Take the lead, Jesus. We do what we do now, examining ourselves and proclaiming your death until you return. In Jesus' name.